The breach of Target computers at the height of the holiday shopping season exposed information of some 40 million customer debit and credit card accounts, causing a nationwide tumult once word of the hack leaked out. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group, and I'm pleased to be joined once again by cybersecurity and privacy lawyer David Nevetta of the Information Law Group to discuss the attack and what comes next. Welcome, David. Uh, thanks, Eric. Thanks for having me. In some respects, the target breach seems like a watershed moment with hackers collecting point-of-sales information from most, if not all, of the retailers' locations in the United States. What does this say about the nature of today's breaches and, for that matter, the growing sophistication of cybercrime? On some level, I think uh, it, it's a watershed moment because of the high-profile nature of Target and, and the size of the breach. But these point-of-sale breaches have been happening on a, a smaller level for, for quite a long time now, uh, frankly, but they haven't got as much press. But I do think it is interesting because it will raise awareness because people often think so, think of hacking situations online and losing your credit card information at e-commerce sites. But now here we have a situation where people are physically going into the store using a card, physically using their card, and their data is being taken. Target owned up to the breach only after a media report about it. The report came several days after Target said it fixed its systems to stop the illicit collection of account information. Is there any rule of thumb on how long an organization should take to notify stakeholders, customers in this case, of a breach? There's no necessarily a rule of thumb. There are some states that actually have some deadlines. I think Florida, for instance, has a 45-day reporting deadline uh, under HIPAA High Tech. It's not a retailer, but the situation, but it's a, there's a 60-day deadline. And usually there's kind of a vague standard about a reasonable time frame or most expedient time frame to, re- to report. Now, the reality is uh, uh, supposedly these happened sometime around Thanksgiving, so that was the end of November. We're at the 20th of December here, and for a breach of this magnitude, to be able to really get your arms around it and be able to report on it, then even you know three or four weeks is is a, is a stretch. Oftentimes, I don't think that the reporting of this. I mean, it was probably triggered by media reports. Yes, I'm sure they were in the middle of investigating everything and and, and uh, trying to just gather as much accurate information as possible before reporting. And, and I think that's really important to know is that you don't want to go out and, and uh, report a, a potential breach with uh, clear information as to what happened. And that is a pretty common approach here because if you go out and you state something that's not true, you may have to go out and correct it or may cause alarm that may be unwarranted. So you have to be very careful in your forensic investigation to determine exactly what happened and then you take that information and, and convert it into a letter that hopefully informs your, your customers as to what the situation is as, a, as opposed to creating fear and hysteria when, when some, sometimes it may not be warranted. Let's talk about the letter that targets this sent to its customers, and it provides a lot of advice on what customers should do to protect themselves against wrongful charges and their credit standing, and provides phone numbers, email addresses, and websites where customers can get help. It's not offering any free year-long credit monitoring. How do you assess the adequacy of Target's response? And listen to your previous answer, maybe they were forced to send a letter out earlier than they may have wanted to. It's a fairly typical response in this space, and it covers a lot of information that's required to be provided to individuals in in these types of situations under various state breach notification laws. Their response to me is is appropriate. In terms of the credit monitoring, that is, again, kind of a difficult judgment call in in certain breaches. And the problem with credit card breach and credit monitoring is that credit monitoring is not actually a very useful tool for detecting credit card fraud because basically the bad guys are using accounts that already exist in your credit report. 
and looking at your credit report really won't reveal the fraudulent use uh, of cards necessarily. You know, you might see a spike in one of your balances on a card as a, as a consumer, but the actual better thing to do to actually detect fraud and prevent further fraud is to look at your card statement because then you can look at unusual activity or transactions you haven't done as a consumer and then have an idea that fraud occurred. Now, I would argue, and, and I've had this uh, talk with certain regulators, that offering free credit monitoring is actually a distraction from the credit card breach because the actual harm is, is more easily detectable in the actual credit card statements that consumers receive. If you're sending them off to look at their credit reports and they're not focusing on their actual statements, you're actually distracting them from what they actually need to do to protect their credit card statement. What should Target be doing now? I anticipate that their investigation was not fully finished. They probably had to go out with the best information they had, perhaps based on the fact that this became a public event. They should continue with their investigation and make sure that they understand the root cause of this breach. They should eliminate any vulnerabilities that may exist that allow the breach to occur. And then they should get a full picture of the factual scenario in terms of what was exposed and who was exposed. And also finally confirm that it's not ongoing. Those are all the things that are going on in the background in terms of the investigation. I imagine that Target has not finished, fully finished that just because of the timing here that uh, we're talking about. And then they're going to have to, of course, work with their customer base. They'll probably set up, if they haven't already, I think they may have a call center to help ask, answer additional questions, deal with the kind of reputational aspects of, of this. Target is a, a very high-profile brand and they don't want their customers to be upset by this situation. Helping their customers through it and setting up a, a clear communication line and providing additional information is necessary if things if they find additional facts, all that needs to happen going forward here. The other thing, of course, that's going to be happening here is, is threat of, of litigation and lawsuits. Many, many, many breaches uh, never result in any kind of lawsuit, but when we get a high-profile breach of this magnitude with a brand name, I can anticipate that plaintiff's lawyers are already starting to get their complaints ready to file. Anticipate that they're also considering during this process what their legal liability issues are, what their defenses may be, preserving information that may help defend themselves in, in a litigation or regulatory context. I'm sure they're uh, also planning on and having talks with uh, various state regulators about the breach and dealing with that fallout as well to let them know what's going on and let uh, those regulators know that their citizens' uh, interests are being looked after. So uh, the breach of this size, all of these things are all happening at the same time. I'm sure it's very much a firestorm over our target. I'm sure that they have many, many people on this matter now uh, working on this and all the various angles that need to be addressed. I think they'll probably be working for the next couple of months at least on, on the preliminary before then they have to go and, and kind of potentially defend themselves in lawsuits and regulatory inquiries. Is this something where if a company did it properly, they already have a plan what to do? Well, yeah. Many organizations anticipate or, or basically assume that someday they will have some sort of breach, and, and that's not an unfair assumption these days. If they had everything in order, they would have already put together an instant, instant response plan, and typically that plan would be put together not by only not only by the security professionals, but by legal, by public relations, by the upper management, and hopefully they have that plan in place and are able to follow that plan, and, and that plan, if, if it was done properly, is making this process smoother. Now, that said, the public plan before a breach can only take you so far. It can help you understand what resources need to come in, into, into the uh, equation to investigate and, and deal with the situation. It can help you, you know, guide you on certain decisions potentially around notification uh, and other 
aspects of a breach, but every breach is its own unique creature and provides a lot of curveballs and in most cases that you can never really anticipate, uh, even with the best planning. It's good to have a plan. It's good to kind of have people who understand the plan, maybe even having tested the plan, are aware of kind of what they need to do, what their role is. But even so, that's not a foolproof way to ensure that these things are handled 100% perfectly. It's very difficult with all of the different situations and investigation and actors that are involved to fully vet out what's going to happen in these situations. You mentioned talking to state regulators. Is this a good example of why there is a need for a national breach notification law? I guess it depends on which which angle you're coming from. I'm, I'm sure Target would rather deal with one law than you know 46 state laws and several different types of regulators that they may have to deal with. Uh, merchants and, and other entities that uh, could be breached would prefer to have one set of laws that applies that they you know, would make these situations much easier to deal with. You wouldn't have to deal with all these different variations in these laws. The other side of the equation, many of the proponents of the national law have been looking for more stringent fines and penalties, requirements for credit monitoring, and other types of requirements that make these laws uh, more potentially more onerous to companies like, uh, like Target. You know, that's been the back and forth on those on the national breach notification law. I think there's still a, big, a wide gap between the you know, consumer interest and the commercial interest in terms of getting one of those uh, national law in place. I'm not sure if this will move the, the needle one way or another. We'll have to see as we go forward. I and mean, we've already had massive breaches in the past that uh, really haven't had much influence in terms of any kind of uh, national law being passed. What are the kind of lessons that could be taken from this breach? Having a plan ahead of time, I think, is important. And I think the mindset of we're not going to be hit by a breach is, is, has been eroded quite a bit. And people are now in the mindset of, okay, so what happens if there is a breach? And I think that mindset is important for organizations to have these days. It doesn't matter what sector you're in. If you have sensitive information or valuable information, you can count yourself as a target. To not have understood what could happen in these situations ahead of time, I can, I think it can be very detrimental. In terms of actually preventing the breaches, the common types of vulnerabilities that can be exploitable across a wide swath of an organization really need to be looked at. Thank you, David. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. I've been speaking with David Nevetta of the Information Law Group. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.